ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host and master of shenanigans, Paul J. Long, and I'm super excited to be with you today. I took some time off. You know, I, I had a little a little uh, mishap with my knees, so I had some knee surgery, went on a, a much-needed vacation with my family and created a whole lot of fun, which I'll talk to you guys about. And ultimately, I, I just, I was looking for the right guest to get me back in the mindset to just do the dang thing. And uh, we have them here for you today. We, of course, are the Fundamism Podcast, where we empower individuals and organizations to create more of what's good as opposed to what isn't. We do so by featuring fun individuals that know how to uh, gravitate more towards the things that give them strength as opposed to the things that don't. Before I introduce to you our featured podcast guest, I would be remiss not to call out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle has been with us from the jump, day one. They're celebrating our their 10-year anniversary. So Charlie Hustle has been in business for as long as Melissa Long and I have been married because we're going up on 10 years here in September. So Charlie Hustle continues to put out not just great uh, material, attire, uh, whatever you're into wearing, uh, but ultimately just goodness into the community. So if you want to know more about Charlie Hustle, go to charliehustle.com. We, of course, just wrapped up our mental uh, health month of May, where we featured some really fun questions to generate moments that could potentially help interrupt negative brain patterns and get people to a place that makes them smile. So if you didn't catch any of those, please venture over to Charlie Hustle on Instagram and catch all of the goodness. Now, without further ado, I've pumped this gentleman up a lot. I've had the blessing, an opportunity, multiple, if you will, to connect with this guy via social media outlets uh, and even tune into a few podcasts. So I've been trying to get him on for a while. He is a senior partner at Speak Inc. He is a foodie, uh, a new dog lover, an avid poker player, and an embracer of awkward moments. What is good, Mr. Tim Matthew? Life is good, Paul. How you doing, sir? Great to see you. Thanks for having me on here today. Well, listen, it's been a long time coming. I, uh, I'm honored to have you. Every time I've interacted with you, I, I told you earlier before we started, it's been a small sample size, but typically people are giving you grief. Uh, you're taking it in stride and you're having a lot of fun. And that's why I wanted to invite you on this particular podcast, today's episode, which features the fundamental embrace awkward moments. But bo before we make it awkward, Tim, uh, tell me, What's been good in your day today? What's one good thing in your day today? You know, today uh, I got up early. I'm going on a uh, two-week backpacking trip. My oldest son who just graduated from high school, so I went on a uh, little four-mile uh, backpack hiking trip this morning. So that was a great way to start the day, clear the mind up, and uh, get ready for this. And uh, hopefully, we're booking some speakers and things ahead. Yes. So uh, you have a singular son. Or you have more kids than one. I have three. I have a uh, boy who's going to, my oldest just graduated high school. I have a son who's going to be a sophomore in high school. And I have a seven year, a daughter who's going to be in seventh grade who walks all over me. My so good, yeah. my, my story there. All of those ages sound just like drama. I mean, I'm, we're sitting at eight and five respectively, and I could only imagine what it's going to be like as time progresses. No, it's awesome. I mean, it's just amazing how you raise them the same, but they're also different. That's probably the coolest part. They're all, they're all people. So I can't complain. They're, they're great kids. And I married above my pay scale, so my, my wife's fantastic too. So uh, that makes two of us, my friend. So congratulations on having a son that uh, just graduated. 
Uh, probably you. not the most normal school year ever, uh, or last two for that matter, uh, for him. So what was that transition like for him? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, he kind of felt he missed out on some senior stuff, but they did a great job. You know, he had prom and probably the greatest thing last week, we had a graduation and there was, he goes to a big high school. So there's a thousand students and probably 8,000 people in the stands. But think about it a year ago today, if we would have said we had 8,000 people outside, mostly without masks. I mean, it, that was probably the biggest celebration. So that was, it was, it was very cool. And it was a unique class. Look at that way. Instead of being kind of the normal class, they definitely experienced stuff that no other class at Cherry Creek High School has been through. Fantastic. Well, I love it, brother. And, uh, you know, that question, what's good in your day today is, is very deliberate. As many of our listeners know, we go through our day, day in and day out, hearing the question and asking the question consistently, how is it going today? And unfortunately, oftentimes that question can get people into a mindset where they're thinking about things that aren't necessarily working as opposed to what is. Uh, if you're not tuning in on YouTube, you might not have seen the fact that Tim, as he's expressing to me about this hiking trip and his son's graduation and his other two children and his loving wife, guess what he's got on his face the whole time? A smile. And that's the power that you have each and every single day if you're deliberate and expressing a genuine interest in others. So Tim, obviously, uh, I gave a whole, a whole wealth of things that you're into here. Poker, dogs, foodie. You mentioned hiking. What what is it that you do for fun? Like if you've had just a day, just walk with me for, what about a whole year, a pandemic of a year, and you just want to get out of your head and stop worrying about all the stuff that's got you down and get to a place that truly you cherish or you find happy, your space. What do you do for fun? Oh, that's a good question. There's probably two things I love. I, I love games, be it board games, but I love card games, poker, hearts, rummy, gin, you name it. I, I love playing those things. Also, I'm a sports junkie. So whatever, any type of sport, you know, I, I play baseball, basketball. During COVID, I became a avid uh, Frisbee golfer. My <laughs> middle son played a lot of Frisbee golf. We have a course right next to our house. So I played a ton. And now it's something we, him and I do a lot. So I never knew what Frisbee golf was. And now I play a few times a week. And I don't, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm a junkie now. I became a Frisbee golf junkie ultimate frizz. I don't know what you call it, but I, I became a junkie in the last year. It's ridiculous. So that's, that's anything card related or sports related. Count me in. And I know you're a, I just looked up, you were the Royals, uh, 2016 fan of the year. So that Look was pretty you cool. Doing your research. Yeah. Yes, sir. I, uh, I can't wait. Hopefully you're coming to the IASB showcase and, uh, I think it's going to be Miami potentially. I'll be there. I'll be there. Awesome. So you'll get to hear the story, but man, that, that means a lot to me to know that you, that you know a little bit about uh, the background. Of course, there's a lot of shenanigans that go into that. Uh, it, it wasn't the proudest moment in my whole entire life, but quite honestly, I don't know if I'd be speaking to you today, Tim, if I didn't uh, get into all that stuff. So, so my, my dad's from Kansas City, Kansas, so he is a huge Royals fan. So uh, there you go. There is he still go. here? He's in, he lives in LA. He's been in LA for 50 years, but you know, he grew up in, uh, he went to Bishop Ward high school, got son of family in Wyandotte County. So he's, he's in my house right now. He's wearing his chief's hat yesterday, which irritated all of the Bronco fans around here, but yeah, he's a Kansas city junkie. So I thought you'd appreciate that. My goodness. I do. What's his name? Uh, Don math. He's a good man. Good man. Oh my goodness. So, you know, as you're, as you're going through your, your laundry list of items here that give you strength or that you find fun, I believe a lot in energy, Tim. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I do believe that you put good out into the world, good comes back. I also think that the universe typically 
puts things in your way or, or in your path for a reason. And as I'm listening uh, or looking at your list of items that you do for fun, there's a reason why we're here today together. And it's like everything that you said, I am driven by. So everybody in our neighborhood, I'm turning 40 uh, in July here, and everybody in our neighborhood knows that it doesn't matter if it's uh, Father's Day, a general get together, a birthday, whatever it may be, I want to do something competitive. And so whether yeah. that's have you ever played frisbee where you're knocking off the beer bottle off the pole with the uh, I have. Uh, yes, I have. Yes. Great Amazing. Game. Great game. <laughs> uh, but you'll appreciate this. So last Father's Day, my wife bought me my own frisbee golf uh, basket. And so we I move it around. It. We move it around. The, now, I'm terrible for the record, but we move it around the yard and my neighbor around the corner just bought one. So here's our plan. We're actually going to create a little three-hole course that goes around the bend, around the neighborhood, where we throw at his house, we move the basket once, and then we end at my house with a third basket. I love it. I love it. Happy early 40th. But see, I love stuff like that. And the creative juice is behind that, right? So just yes. kind of making it your own and going. I, I love it. I love it. That's That sounds like my kind of birthday right there. So, yes, sir. So hit me up. I hope I'm in Kansas City. Yeah, around. heck yeah. Let's go. Heck, I, I might come to Denver. Who knows? Uh <laughs> So, so what you just expressed, like that creative side and that competitive nature and all the things that give you strength, Tim, as well as me and everybody listening, that is fundamentalism. And it's, it's very important for us to express to you as a listener that our fun is defined differently from yours. And so as you tune in, as you uh, watch me on stage or some of my shenanigans on social media or connect with Tim on LinkedIn, hopefully, and, and book a speaker through speaking, know that it is never our intent to get you to be like us, but rather for you to self-discover uh, through the power of, of questions and a genuine interest of what your fun looks like for you. So, Tim, let's jump into uh, state of the industry. And uh, I don't want to talk about this a lot because I've heard you on several podcasts. I've heard you on, I think it's called Pulling Back the Curtain of the Speaking Industry. Is that our clubhouse group? Yeah, on club, correct. Pulling yes. Back the Curtain. So just trying to be transparent about everything. So. I love it. And so so in the spirit of full transparency, how tired of or are you uh, talking about our virtuals here to stay? <laughs> It, it, it's a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm a little beat up by that. You know, I mean, I think the bigger thing I'm tired of is just contracts and addendums yes. and rescheduling, but no, I, you know, I, I don't know if we all know the answer. I just think it's, uh, it's going to be some form of virtual live hybrid. Everyone's going to do something different and there's so many aspects, but I think the key is we got to make the best of it and do great by it. Not just do good on whatever we're doing. You got to do great by be it in-person, virtual hybrid, whatever you want to call it. You know, between the speakers, the bureaus, the meeting professionals, we got to do great by making these events even, you know, a, a step up. So that's what I'm looking forward to it in that regard. For sure. Well, anytime I meet an individual like you, I'm fascinated by the background of how you got into the role you're in. And so I don't want to talk a ton about work, but specifically what I'd like to talk about is when... When I interact with you, you're a gregarious guy. You're lighthearted. You like to have fun. Uh, people pick on you and you razz them back. Uh, I really do feel as though you embrace awkward moments, which we'll talk more about that before uh, as we progress. But as I, as I look at you and I, I think to myself, he's in the speaking industry connecting speakers with organizations, right? And you're, you're non-exclusive. Is that right? Meaning that you Correct, don't have yeah. any Correct. speaker exclusive. So- what thought did you ever give your, you yourself to being a speaker? 
Not much, not much. I, I kind of like my angle of being kind of behind the camera, though, more and more. I, I do speak a fair amount to meeting professionals or, you know, I go to different speaking conferences and speak to different professional speakers on that end. So I enjoy that, but I, I think my talents are best. You know, I have a face for radio, so <laughs> behind the screen is probably where I should be. But, you know, I, I, there's nothing better for me than when I'm in the back of a room and a speaker is crushing it, giving their message and from a business, inspirational, whatever point of view and connecting with somebody there. It's magical just kind of be part of that and watching that happen, that transformation happen to some individual in the audience. To me, that that's, you know, it's, it's a game changer for kind of what I do. And it actually changes my mindset because it just puts me in a better space. How did you, so you never necessarily considered speaking, Correct. but you, you got thrown into or gravitated towards the speaking industry. So how did you get here? What, what got you into this business? Sure. Long story short, I was, you know, I graduated college and I was thinking about going to law school, wasn't sure. I got a job at a staffing job, like getting people jobs. And then uh, the girl I was dating at the time wrote an article about me being successful out of college for the San Diego Union Tribune because I was working in San Diego. I was not successful, but she wrote it. It's on the Sunday cover, the Sunday business section. We broke up like three weeks later. So that's probably the best part of the story. I was at a wedding. One of my colleagues, Jeff Bigelow, who's with me now, was sitting next to me. I was at my boss's current boss's wedding at the time. He worked for Speak Inc. They had called me like a week prior asking if I had any interest in doing this. I had no idea what it was. I said no. And then I wasn't real happy where I was. Started talking more, interviewed with them. And next thing I know, I am bringing videos home with my two roommates living in Pacific Beach. My roommates at the time are named Spike and Garage, two, still two of my best friends today. And uh, we started watching, you know, videos. I remember Frank Abagnale from Catch Me If You Can. Yes. And I remember them just sitting down watching this video for like an hour. We just caught, caught up and I've been doing it for, you know, 20 plus years. And I, I feel blessed every day because I, I really do something I enjoy. I love it. I love it. I love what I do. So I kind of fell into it. That's probably the, you know, the, the long part of it, but uh, it, it's an incredible gig. It, it's sure. awesome. Great people in this industry. Great people. For sure. And, it, and your passion shows, not just when you talk about it with, with me here and our Fundamism podcast listeners, but in the Clubhouse group and on the other podcasts that I've heard you on. And uh, you're, you're, I just, you know how like, and this is corny as all get out, but you could tell when people are smiling, right? You could, you could Correct, tell when people are generally through the mask. Through the mask, yes. you can tell. Yeah. You can well, tell through me, the mask. I smile with my whole face because I got all the wrinkles <laughs> and then the really squinty eyes. So everybody knows when I'm smiling. And there's a good chance that I'm smiling at any given day because man, just, I mean, think about, think about what we've been through over the course of the last year and a half, right? And you know, we often talk about this uh, with, with groups. If, if I do longer sessions, like in a workshop or something like that, think about the worst possible moment in your life. Like that moment that you, you considered the fact that there was no possible way you could get through this moment. And you, you were questioning why you were put here on this earth and what your purpose was and, and why is everything bad in the world happened to, to, to me or you and only us. And ultimately... We made it through that, like the most difficult time that we've ever faced, we made it through. And I always like to look at those moments as perspective because the last year and a half, especially in our industry and many others, uh, newsflash, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a live speaker. I mean, historically, <laughs> my revenue was tied directly together with live events and I, I didn't have any live events for quite a long time. So how did you transition uh, your mindset to... 
uh, not only uh, survive through the pandemic, but then thrive while finding and connecting speakers to organizations through these virtual experiences? Well, I think you just got to come out of it. I mean, it was tough at first, right? You're getting all these events canceled and you're almost in denial. And then you're almost, then you're in the fetal position, like what's going to happen. But then you got to kind of come out of it and go, you know, this is an opportunity. Don't let a, you know, what's, what's that line? Don't let, don't waste a good pandemic, you know, in some ways. I mean, <laughs> you kind of had a revive and it was for 20 years. So learning the virtual game, learning, you know, about different speakers, diff, you know, different ways to connect with meeting professionals. It's taken things to a new level. I, I firmly believe I've never been closer to speakers I work with and meeting professionals because we've all been through this together. So there's a connection that grew. And even my competitors, honestly, other speaker bureaus, we've never been closer. And I think there's a better connection now. So I think that's helped me. I think you just got to kind of step up. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I'm not a brain surgeon. So, you know, I'm not, if I have a bad day, you know, someone's life's not at stake. It's just, you know, we might have a contract issue or a speaker thing might go wrong. So I think you just got to adjust your mindset there. And that's really what I try to do. I mean, I feel very fortunate, you know, through this whole thing. I was healthy and my family was healthy. And I think that's kind of the way I looked at it. And everything kind of got in a different perspective. I think I'm in a better mindset now than I was pre-COVID as far as, you know, booking speakers and what I do. Sure. Uh, I've never heard the line, don't waste a good pandemic, uh, <laughs> but it is amazing. And I will use it forever and ever. <laughs> it's all, I stole from somebody else. But I mean, think about it. Like, you know, we, you know, we, it, we used to have like a speaking, you know, last, you know, June, July, we'd have these weekly meetings and talk about different creative ideas and outside the box of how we can get stuff done. We slowed down on that. And I think other companies have done that too. And I think that's bad. Why have we slowed down? Because things are getting back to normal. So when it's kind of chaos, you try to get more creative. I mean, think of restaurants, right? How many food things are outside and different things we can do stuff. There's more creativity that has added value. And I'm hoping we continue that, but you know, sometimes it just seems to slow down. For sure. Well, you, you just opened the door a little bit. I know that you're a foodie. You mentioned restaurants. Uh, what's your favorite meal? What's your go-to? What's your last meal on earth? My last meal on earth would be from a place called uh, Din Tai Fung. You ever heard of this place? Maybe no, not. No, is it Thai? No, it's uh, like an Asian, but they have these juicy pork dumplings mm. that are heaven sent. I think the original ones where I grew up kind of in the LA, Pasadena area, they moved up to Seattle. Washington, but it is, I don't know how to describe it, but give me 10 of those things. And I'm in, uh, put, put me to, put me to rest after that. I'll take some Din Tai Fung and, and I'm good to go. I love it. Uh, do you, do you put sauce on them? Is there a sauce that accompanies Yeah. It? It's like this garlic, uh, I'm losing the word ginger sauce and yes. if you dip it in there and it, it, I can't even describe it, Paul, but this yes. is the pork that comes out of this thing. It, it's heaven sent. Whoever <sighs> created a thing was, uh, was a genius. I wish that you could all see Tim's face right now as he's talking about his final meal on this earth. Uh, I'll, I'll take some Oklahoma Joe's though, some, yes. uh, some barbecue there too. That, that'd be up there. That's all good right. stuff. That'll be my gift to you for being on this podcast today. So uh, what I took from what you just said outside of just making my mouth water is that you grew up uh, potentially with Don in LA and then moved to the Denver area after Right? Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I grew up in LA by passing a little town called San Gabriel, mm. uh, Pasadena, the Rose Bowl, it's most people related yeah, to. Sure. And then I went to school in San Diego, and that's where Speaking's headquarters. So I worked out there for six, seven years, and we uh, decided we're going to start a family. And uh, my wife is from Colorado, or not from Colorado, she went to college out here, and we were housing costs were just ridiculous at the time in Southern California. So we're like, let's see if we can give this a shot. 
thought we moved to Denver for two years and now we've been out here for 16 plus and you know you create roots family like you say you know in your neighborhood we have a great little cul-de-sac and schools and I don't see us leaving at least until uh my my daughter finishes high school and we'll figure it out from there but you know I know everywhere you go I think if you connect I'm all about connecting you connect with good people you're going to find some happiness and we we found that fortunately in Denver it's a great place to be yes I love it so uh connection in our business obviously is key right uh not only do you have to connect speakers in your role to organizations uh, then the speaker has to connect with the potential client, connect with the audience and deliver a meaningful or memorable experience that hopefully offers some form of value and not just a, in the moment, this feels great, but something practical and tactical for takeaway or for a takeaway. Um, let's get into embracing awkward moments, uh, our featured fundamental today. So I had the recent opportunity, recent being Monday, to speak with uh, the funeral directors across Kansas. And I was preceded, Tim, by an hour and a half long seminar on facial reconstruction after uh, car wrecks or, you know, all that stuff uh, that included pictures, of course. So so then they have a little break and then the fun guy (laughs) comes on, right? So... What I took from this experience, and um, I typically start very lighthearted, typically with some music, and I come out on stage for this particular one. It was uh, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Great. And the music stops, and I mean, I am in a full, I mean, a bright orange SpongeBob shirt uh, that my daughter picked out for the day, uh, a suit Love coat, a bow tie. It. Thank you, sir. Uh, I got these orange Jordans that I just got that were, I just, uh, so, I'm just painting a picture of how bright I am in what oftentimes we as society perceive to be a very dark industry space, right? So I play the song, I come out like I am, the song stops, and before getting into content, I say, secret time, just like Burt Kreishner if you're into uh, comedy. Secret time, what's going through your mind right now in this moment? You can't hurt my feelings. I embrace (laughs) awkward moments. What's going on? And, you know, people said very kind things like, I love the bow tie or, man, that song took me back or, gosh, I hope he doesn't call on me. (laughs) And so in that moment, what I what I realized, Tim, and it hit me like a ton of bricks and almost in a place of guilt because I consistently talk about this, not just on stage, but with people on the podcast or even one on one with my friends and family. You never know what somebody's going through in life. Mm-hmm. You don't know where they've been. And so like try to remove yourself from judgments. But as you very well know, there are industries or roles that have stigmas associated with them. And so me as a speaker, I go on stage. I'm expecting maybe not to be well received. Right. But my goodness, it was one of the coolest experiences I ever had. And to be honest, it boosted my confidence even more so doing that gig and, and resonating to, to the extent right, makes sense. Did, right? uh, moving forward. So it was a learned experience. It was awkward going in. My question to you is, what's the most awkward ask or experience you've had in the speaking industry? Oh, that's, gosh, that's a good one. I'm trying to think. Let, let me think about this as I go. And I'm going to go back to what you said as I, as I process this. But yes. I think when you put yourself out there, though, right, people are going to embrace you. 
Yes. So when you're kind of putting yourself, I think that's so key because you're like, here, this is me. Let's go. And people are going to kind of take that in instead of when you're kind of standing back, people don't do that. Ah, uh, the most awkward thing. Now you got me thinking. Um, uh, oof. You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, there's throwing some footballs with some football players. There's some, I think one time I was at this food event and they asked a celebrity to get in a pie eating contest. Mm. They had like a pie eating contest after. And you know what? This guy, he was into it and he went and he hammered this pie. It was all over. Yeah. But you know what? And it sounds bad. Very good job on stage speaking. But what do you remember? The pie I'll never forget that pie eating contest, <laughs> right? He put himself out there and that's what you remember. And I, yes. I think that was the fact that you said yes to that. I think that was the key. You would have been fine. You know, I mean, they bring in like a celebrity type speaker every year. Many say no to the pie eating contest, but this yeah. guy went after it, said yes. And that's what I'll remember. You know, it's five, six years ago. And people still speak about that because he put himself out there and to get to the next level. And I, 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 that was, that was pretty cool. I love it. So th- th- what you just said was just magnificent. And I feel like that's <laughs> side note. I said something like that on our uh, pulling back the curtain clubhouse. Right. Gave you props, and then everybody just destroyed me and you immediately. You clearly don't know Tim. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's my role just to get destroyed. But you know, I love it. Just kind of like embrace, embrace, embrace the suck, man. Come after right. <laughs> uh, I'll take it all in. I'll take it all in. Well, so what I love about what you said just now, though, is organizations uh, and end up meeting planners specifically looking for speakers. Uh, we're always very deliberate in trying to find content that's going to resonate, especially in the times, right? Like right now, what are we looking to accomplish? Well, our folks have been virtual for an for for a year, year and a half. So maybe we need to learn how to connect, you know, again, uh, share a genuine interest in others. Maybe it's about our digital footprint, whatever it may be, right? Uh, d- diversity and inclusion is a huge topic right now. So whatever it is, right, we try to connect our meeting planners with that particular speaker. And I know that's the role that you play and you play it very, very well. But what's interesting about what you said is nine times out of 10, what people remember are the, 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 the small one-offs, the little story, uh, the improv thing that happened just off the cuff. And ultimately, that's the one thing that everybody remembers. So... This is, a, this is where I'm going to kind of tap into your expertise and your advice for a brief moment. Because it was interesting. I think that you gave me props on being authentic and when you present yourself a certain way. That's a blessing, but could also be a curse. Because if you see me on the surface and you experience just a video or somebody right. slides me into a proposal... You could think, oh, well, that guy's way too much, right? He's way too much and not a lot of substance there. But I actually pride myself a great deal in entering at that level and then blowing them away with content and blowing them away with, with things that could potentially help them get better. So here's, I fast forward to my question. So over the course of the last four months, I've spoken with funeral home directors, uh, C-level individuals, uh, engineers, CPAs, sales, call center reps, you named a lot of healthcare stuff, as I'm, I'm sure you're well aware, mm-hmm. that's big right now. And generally speaking, the message was well received. Uh, we had a great time and a lot of notes were taken, which is the best feeling that any speaker can have. 
So, you know, Dia Star Rank over at the Speaker Exchange? I do. I do. I know she's a big fan she, of yours. Man, yeah. I, lo- I love that lady. I work with her often as well as, as, as Brittany, obviously, and Julie. They, but they I do work a great with, job over there. Yes. And I wouldn't be in the IASB showcase if it wasn't for Brittany and her support. So shout out to all the ladies at the Speaker Exchange. And I'd be remiss if I didn't call out Angela Cox over at Midwest as well that basically got my, my whole career started. But Dia puts me into a, uh, a proposal. And she always kind of slides me in as a wild card. Like, I know that you're looking for, for diversity and inclusion, right. but you got to look at this one guy. Right, like, right. You know. And so she always kind of slides in. So the guy comes back and uh, he says, he's too much. And so she says, what do you mean too much? Monetarily too much? No, his energy, it's far more than what we're looking for. And she goes, Paul, that's something that I typically have to overcome. And I'm not sure currently how I do it if I don't have a strong relationship with those individuals. So my question to you is, there's a lot of speakers bureaus, there's a lot of organizations that have their go-to speakers as it relates to fun or employee engagement or whatever it may be. In an industry that's inundated with emails and videos and look at me, how do I differentiate myself and show substance? You know, I I think that's a great question. And I think the key is Try to help me out. And I, I don't mean that like, you know, I don't know. But I mean, sometimes I get so many emails and stuff saying, here, Tim, here's my information. Let me tell you about me. Yes. Let me tell you more about what I do. And I, we get, it gets overwhelming. But if yeah. you, you know, come back and say, hey, Tim, you know what? I, I, I saw somewhere you work with ABC type company. This is what I do. Maybe I'd be a great fit to help you in this instance there. That's kind of what I'm looking for. You know, that's what I try to do with when I send stuff to my meeting professionals. Hey, check out this speaker because they'll make you look good. They'll yeah. put you in this spot, right? Instead of book them here because it's, I need to book them a certain amount of times. It makes me look good. I think we got to go out and you try to help your partners. I think mm. that's the key out there. We're at the end of the day, we're partners. So if you can, you know, do stuff that make me makes me look good and I can do stuff that makes you look good. To me, that's what a partnership's about. I just get so many emails that are just, here, this is about me. This is my new book, my new speech. And it, yes. it really doesn't pertain back to me. Yeah. So I think to me, that's a key. And, you know, when I have my go-tos, I, I feel very confident in what I do and that I know my product well, that there's times where I can say, you know what? Yeah, Paul, maybe a lot, there's a lot of energy there, but trust me, you know, he will crush it, you know, and I, and I start going on my little diatribe, yeah, yeah. Why? and they come back, right? And at the end of the day, you crush it, they're going to come back and, you know, I make them look like a hero, hmm. then, you know, it gains more confidence for me and for you as we go forward. And I think that's the key. But I, you know, I, I think you're right. You get set in a proposal sometimes. It's hard when you're four or five other speakers, but I think you need advocates like myself and other people, the speaker exchange and the bureau industry yeah. go, Paul is going to crush it. Trust me. You know, and I've had, you know, meeting planners go, you know, if they don't, I'm going to take out one of your legs and I'm like, go for it. Take <laughs> both out. That's how good I feel about it. But, you know, you have that rapport going for and sure. you want to be confident in that product. And, you know, I, I call speakers like you no brainers and that's meant to be a compliment. Oh. You're going to go in, you're easy to work with. You're going to customize. You're going to be great on stage. And you know, follow up, and it's great to me. That's like a you know, I call that a no-brainer and a compliment fa- manner because we don't have to worry about you going out and, and crushing it for that customer. Man, I I greatly appreciate that, Tim. I uh, I appreciate the honesty and transparency. Two uh, very valuable traits. Two of the most valuable traits that any leader can have. Uh, if you're listening, uh, vulnerability and honesty are are two things that could get you very far in life and really right. create meaningful and memorable interactions. So. You know, I, I appreciate your honesty in saying that. And part of me telling you that also is getting a little vulnerable and saying that 
you know, I, I've never been the individual that um, like to approach things in a self-serving nature. And so my mm-hmm. approach to the speaking industry has been, and my entry point has been based on what people have told me, somewhat unconventional in that historically speakers go out, they create a client base, they make a name for themselves, mm-hmm. they do their thing, then speakers bureaus catch on and there's, you know, so you start yourself and then you get into speakers bureaus. I started it completely opposite of that in that I did one gig, a speakers bureau caught on to me. And then I would say 90% of my gigs have been speakers bureaus. Now, is that sustainable? I don't know. It's something that I got to, I got to through. But I will say that there's been about four bureaus that have just had me as, you know, in a steady rotation. My fear has always been, though, like I know, and Sean Hanks told me this best at, through Premier. Don't ever listen to Sean Hanks. That, that's my one tip for the day. Don't, <laughs> don't ever listen to Sean Hanks. I'm just kidding. He, he's, he's great. Sean's one of my good friends in the industry. So he I'm is a phenomenal him. human being. Yeah. Just a phenomenal human being. He, uh, I agree. I agree. A CrossFit psycho, but a phenomenal uh, human you being. Know what? You know, that's all Sean talks about now is just CrossFit. It's like, it's like a marathon, right? Let me tell you about my CrossFit. You know, right. look at my arms. He's wearing his shirts are shorter now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's getting a little annoying. So I was talking to him and he, uh, he said, Paul, speakers ask me all the time, how do you get in with a bureau? And that's the wrong question to ask because you never get in with a bureau. You do what you just referenced. You have an advocate, a strong connection, right. somebody that supports you and you support them like a DSR rank, uh, like mm-hmm. a Tim Matthew, and you connect with them. And then ultimately when they see that you're, listen, I'm here to prop you up. And as a byproduct of that, I know that you're gonna prop me up as well, but I'm in it for the long term. Exactly. Uh, I care about you more personally than professionally. And so for me to reach out to bureaus, like I don't, I don't do that as much as I should because I know how much you guys are inundated. And I believe going back to the, the energy, uh, that things happen as, and when they should, if I just keep my head down and I keep making an impact and doing what I feel like I was put on this earth to do and show a genuine interest in others and lead with kindness, well then ultimately good things are going to happen because I I agree. I think that's you. No, like, well, that's what Dia, you know, I don't know her that well, but I saw somewhere she was pushing out for something. I don't remember where it was. And I'm like, hmm, I got to check this guy out. Seriously. And it was like, uh, you know, I know Sean well, Sean Hanks, but I don't know Dia that well. And I saw something, her push her name out there. And I'm like, okay, let me check this out. If you'd have reached out to me directly blindly, I would have probably never connected that way. So <laughs> I, I agree. I think there's, and I, I completely agree. I think this industry, it's all about the long-term play. I, I always say, don't uh, don't screw anybody over in this industry because they never leave. Sure. People don't leave. They reinvent themselves from yes. meeting planner, convention and visitors bureau, speaker, speakers bureau. Man, people don't leave in this industry because it's so cool. But you got to be ethical and fair and transparent because it is a long term play. I really believe that. Absolutely. And then when you when you establish relationships uh, through trust and a genuine interest and all that stuff, then the awkward moments that creep up like the difficult contract conversations or, you know, all the stuff that we've had to deal with over the course of the last year and a half, it's a little bit easier to cope or deal with. So without a doubt. And I think you like the, you know, back to the contract. I think the key is half, almost all my contract, I'd say 90% of the contract dealings. We never even talked about the contract. We didn't get into specifics because we have this relationship where it's look, I'm going to do, try to do right by you, the meeting professional and you, the speaker. So let's make it work. And you do it. We never got into the logistics of, you know, sub point C, part A, part two of the contract says we never really got into that because 
that takes away from the relationship. It's like, here, let's talk this out, figure it out. It's good for you. It's good for the speaker. Bam, let's move on. And I, I think that is the key to you know anything, and especially in a relationship, because if you don't have that right now, it could get ugly. It could have mm. got really ugly, and no one want to experience that. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, we are coming to our time's end. Uh, I could talk to you for hours, but in respect of your time, uh, I want to get you back to uh, connecting organizations with the right speaker, uh, because I know that's where you make your living. Or maybe you're going on a hike. I don't know. Maybe you're just going <laughs> to celebrate a graduation with cake. But go, nevertheless, go frisbee golf. I'm that's ready right. for it. So. Before, yes. So, um, man, I just, so you said law school, you wanted to go to law school. Uh, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually wanted to go to law school. I took the LSAT. Right. And, uh, okay. That was, that was, that was a route that I was going to go. I scored okay. I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't going to get into, you know, Brown University. I was the same way. I think we're probably in the same area. Yeah. I was, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just doing yes. it. I, I wasn't sure what the heck I wanted to do myself. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. And so I just stumbled through life and then ultimately I, I found a path. So, um, in many folks stumbling through life and trying to identify their path, before we wrap up with a, a quick and rapid fire a list of questions that are going to be fun and lighthearted, I have a lot of speakers, uh, potential speakers, that want to get into the industry. And they ask me all the time, what do I do? What, do, what don't I do? And I'm sure you get this all the time. Uh, it kind of goes back into the being inundated with emails and some of the requests that you get. Right. What's the biggest mistake that an aspiring speaker can make? I, I think they try to be a jack of all trades. They mm. want to be change, customer service, leadership, sales, innovation, diversity yeah. and inclusion. You can't be an expert in everything. Yeah. Pick your lane, stay in it and go. You know, I, I, I'm from Southern California. I'm a big In-N-Out burger fan, right? In-N-Out does burgers, fries and shakes. That's what they do. And they do it well. They stay in their lane and they go. And that's how I feel a speaker needs to do. They need to pick what they're really good at and passionate about it and become not good at that, become great at it. Cause there's a lot of other people doing that too. So become the best you can in a certain thing, but don't become a jack of all trades. Cause it's just, it, it's not possible to be an expert in all categories. Mm. All right, my friend, that's great advice for all of you aspiring speakers out there. And even consultants, I would add to that yeah. mix. Uh, try to stay in your lane, find some things that you do very, very well and don't get spread too thin. Uh, I get a lot of requests. Do you do customer service? Do you do sales training? Do you? And the truth of the matter is, I feel like fundamentalism and the fundamentals could really apply to right. all of that. But I really want to try to remain in the employee engagement space and driving a culture of experience because I know that a byproduct of that is every single performance KPI will improve if your people feel like you value them and you're spending time in their development. So. All right, let's wrap up with a rapid fire. Some let's go, questions. let's go. All right, you mentioned that you love card games and board games. Let's start with card games. Now, pre-Texas Hold'em days, we used to hang out with my buddies. There was about seven or eight of them and their fathers, and we would do dealer calls it. So it right. would rotate, yeah. right? So we would do, um, you know, in between, which could get like, the, the the pot and in between. I, mean, I get, know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So we'd play a seven card stud, low Chicago. We play uh Indian, <laughs> but we, I, you know, we play all the games, right? Yeah. Then Texas Hold'em came and all anybody wanted to play all the time was Texas Hold'em. So I got out of the card game. What is your favorite card game? Uh, I am a huge, I'm a huge hearts fan. I get the, if you get the right three people around me, Ah, oh, give me a great game of hearts where it's competitive. And actually, you know what? I should also say rummy. Like my parents play rummy 
And when they play with my kids or sometimes I sit in, but they're at my house right now, they're in town for the graduation. You know, my parents are playing with my two sons last night and I didn't, I didn't even play, but just watching them play and connect and embrace, you know, different generations to me. I mean, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Just kind of watching them talk trash to each other. So I'm going to go just, I'm going to change my answer from hearts to rummy because uh, just watching them embrace was really cool this last couple of days. I love it. Being a sports junkie, you express that you like to play a lot of sports. Uh, do you also enjoy watching sports? And if yes, so, a doubt. what's your most memorable sporting moment? Uh, Kirk Gibson's home run in 88 against the Oakland A's. Yes. Exactly. Vince <laughs> Scully calling it. Vince Scully, the greatest of all time. I mean, that's, yes. that's still the greatest. Uh, for those of you that aren't tuning in on, on YouTube, I did Kirk Gibson's infamous <laughs> uh, uh, fist to the sky. You're a recent dog lover. Of course, I don't know how uh, long ago your LinkedIn profile yeah, was updated. What, uh, talk to us about your recent love for dogs. Sure. My, my wife and kids wanted a dog. I didn't want one. I never had a dog growing up, which I still blame my parents for now that I have a dog. But uh, So they put like an Excel spreadsheet together, how they're going to clean, wash the dog. Never happened. We ended up getting a golden doodle some years ago, and I love that dog. Luna is my dog. It's amazing. I come home from a business trip. No one cares with that dog. It's unconditional love. I walks, runs, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I never knew the magic of a dog until we had that. Until we had Luna. She she's amazing. Love it. Go get a dog. If you don't have one, go get a dog. Hey, you're talking to a cat guy. He better, better watch out. Uh, but I get your affection for Luna because yes. Maximilian Alexander Long was our firstborn child, and the ah. my eye. Um, all right. So uh, you're an individual that appears to like to laugh or love to laugh. Uh, yes. What makes you laugh the most? Uh, good question. You know, when my kids do something stupid, when they're just kind of being natural, like you say that those awkward moments when they're being awkwardly stupid, that, that kills me. That kills yes. me. And a good, honestly, a good slapstick movie. You know, give me a good uh, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, maybe a little something about Mary. I, I'm always good for a laugh there. I love it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll take it out. <laughs> So I should have worn my uh, my stepbrother's shirt today. Yeah, oh, exactly. I can't get enough of that. Can't no. get enough stepbrothers. Coincidentally, our the son's F name. Catalina wine mixer. That's you know, right. You can't go that is wrong. absolutely exactly. right. Uh, our son's name is Brennan Royal, named after Brennan's Brennan. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's and, fantastic. Uh, series run. All right, last question, my friend. Um, music means the world to me. Uh, I know that it's a great connector for a lot of people. Uh, what is a memorable concert that you went to? I'm going to start out first. I live in Denver. Red Rocks to me is the best venue there is in the world. And we, my wife and I go to a lot of concerts. So this last year was rough because we, we didn't hit a lot. Um, I'm going to go separate on this. So my, my wife is a big Brandy Carlisle fan who I like as well. If you know, Brandy Carlisle. Yes. And a few years ago, she brought my daughter up on stage to sing because she knew all the songs. So it wasn't directly related to me, but the fact that Sarah at the time was like six years old is singing, keep your heart young with Brandy Carlisle. That, that was pretty money on my book. Yes. So that was pretty cool. And it goes back to your point earlier. It's like, you know, she had all of these songs and this, you know, this whole set. And what you remember is bringing the daughter up on stage. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the improv, not what she normally planned. And there goes Sarah. It wasn't, you know, she just went up on stage and she's singing with Brandy. And she was horrible, horrible <laughs> singer, my daughter. But it was just an, she's six, right? You don't care at that moment. You're just... She was just letting it go. And that, yes. that, that's, that's, that's definitely up there. So that's, that's probably number one. My goodness. Uh, you'll appreciate this. We just returned from Branson, five days in Branson, Missouri. Nice. 
We got uh, uh, Reza Tickets, who is the premier okay. illusionist. Uh, he's been on TV several times. And uh, randomly, I got called on stage to get my head cut off. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't generate it, uh, believe it or not. But my kids loved it. They were, how did he do that? Did you feel it? Did it hurt? And they'll remember that forever. And they're, you know, exactly. eight five respectively. So it means a lot to me just to open your heart, to share stories like that, to talk to us about the industry, to share what you do for fun and, and where you find your goodness. Tim, I think that you're a world-class man. I can't wait to connect with you in Miami. You have any last words, my friend? No, uh, just good. thanks for taking the time to do this with me, Paul. I had a great time. Looking forward to Miami and, you know, let's go out and make the world a better place. Let's do it, my friend. To you, the Fundamism Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate your support. We couldn't be whatever the hell we are without you. So get out there and embrace awkward moments. Believe it or not, most people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. So get out of your head, be authentic, have fun. And in doing so, not only will your life get better, but you might create a little more fun for others as well. Until we see you on the flip side, be safe, smile often, have fun, and deuces.